Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. Hey y'all, we're here. We're here. We're going. We're back. We're, we're gone. We're good. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Shortest episode ever. <laughs> we know you guys said you wanted shorter episodes, so we're going to keep them at 14 seconds or less. <laughs> and we hope like you eight fi- minute abs. We 14 f- second podcast. We find. We hope you find value in this, and please share with your <laughs> peeps. Bye. Love you. Oh, uh, speaking of peeps, uh, Jeff's dad. He's like 70 or something. We were going on a walk with him the other day, and he was telling us a story about his coworkers. He goes, "So my my." He goes, well, I call him my peeps. So that means my people. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> like, thank you for explaining what peeps are. And oh I love God. that a 70 year old. I remember like years ago, uh, Jade's dad was like 70 and he thought LOL meant lots of love. Oh. So it was always like, it was always just like, see you later, LOL. Like it was just, <laughs> this is the most random LOLs. We're like, why is that funny though? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people might have thought it was lots, lots of, love. of love. Oh my God. I th- I'm just going to make it lots of love from now on. Yeah. Everything's going to be LOL. Change it. Change it up. Did you ever say L-Y-L-A-S when you were a little girl? No. What is that? Love you like a sis? No. That's how I always used to write notes to my friends. L-Y-L-A-S. No, I just put BFF forever or something oh, yeah. like that. Four and then the yeah. number four E-V-A. Yeah. BFF forever. So we're going to do a little Q&A episode because we got some questions and some of them don't require an entire show. Um, so I guess we'll start with this one. Um, somebody asked, and I like this, we, Jill and I kind of talked about this yesterday. How do you share what drives you crazy? And I'm assuming this is in a relationship, but also be responsible for your shit. This is a um, it's kind of a good one. It's relevant for me because just recently, um, Jeff and I, like, I knew something was going on with him and I was kind of like, yo, what's going on? And he's like, nothing. And I'm like, are you sure? And he goes, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, you know, what is it? And you know how it is. Like maybe we have that thing where your partner's like, Hey, what's up? And you're just like nothing, but it's something, but deep down, you know, it's your own stuff, but you kind of want to talk about it. You're like, okay, I'm actually annoyed by this, but I also know that, you know, I don't know if there's anything you could do about it. I think it's actually important to bring that stuff up. So, and I told him, he said, well, there's some of these things. And I know some of them were things that I did or that he just was bothered by, but I told him, I was like, listen, you can bring it up. And I am not going to necessarily take it on just because you tell me. And just because you say that this is a, like, if it's your stuff, I'm just going to give it back to you. And I think it's important to, to let the person have that capability to decide whether or not they're going to take it on themselves or not. Um, but also for yourself, if somebody's 
venting to you or telling you something that bothers them, you also have to know, like, is this mine to take on or not? You can be there as a sounding board and as a friend. And you can also ask for a friend to listen to you and tell them what you're annoyed by. And at the same time, understand it's not theirs to deal with. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think it's, I totally agree with you. And I think instead of saying, let me tell the person what drives me crazy, I say, I think about it as like, let me tell the person what my preference is. Mm. And then once they know what my preference is, then they can decide if they can change or not or want to change or not based on information. So something similar came up with Keith and I last week and um, something was a frustration to him, a way that I was, something I was doing was a frustration, but he didn't tell me in the moment. It ended up coming out like a week later. And uh, when he told me, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. Like, that's super easy. I can totally do that to me. It makes no, it's not a big deal at all. In fact, like, I'd love to help you with that. Yeah. But because in his head, he was like, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to ruffle feathers or like, I don't want Jill to get mad or whatever, which I didn't. I was like, oh, thank you for that information. You know, and so I received it in like a way that it was a service to me, you know? And also I think when you bring something up to someone, realize that it is a service one, number two, you're giving them more information so it's inclusive. They can decide if they want to change or not or can change or not or take it into consideration or not. And the last piece is also realize they have no obligation to do anything differently. Yeah. I think sometimes when you tell someone like, this drives me crazy, there's some sort of expectation that they should change as yeah. a result or they should be different or that your way is the better way. But for someone else, that might not drive them crazy if they were in a relationship with that person. So I think it's all of those things. I think it is both. And I think sometimes, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone who does introspection work, probably does some work on yourself, has some self-awareness. I think with our group, sometimes we can go, well, I'm not going to bring it up because I know it's my shit. So let me just like figure it out myself. And I think there's a fine line between like taking responsibility for your BS and working through your stuff on your own and also sharing. So I think I liked what you, what Jeff said or what you said that you guys do, which is like just a pause. Like, okay, let me just like, it is something, but I'm not sure exactly what it is yet. And I'm not sure if it's like, I want to share it with you quite yet. It's not like massage to a place I want to like give it to you yet as information. So let me take a beat and see what parts of it I want to share with you as my preference. Yeah. I like the saying that it's your preferences. It's just, you know, if somebody does something that just super annoys you, maybe they just don't shut the lid on the toilet seat and it's just bothering you, bothering you, bothering you. You're building up resentment. You know, that's your thing. I feel like you should tell them, but you also like to Jill's point, you, they may not stop, but at least you got it out and you're like, Hey, this is just a thing that bothers me. And if they decide, well, I want to respect you and show you more respect, I will try to do better. And if they don't, they don't. And you get to decide what that is, but you have to, you do have to understand that that's your stuff. And then I think the, because you say it doesn't mean they have any obligation to do anything different, but I think you should bring it up because, uh, you know, as Rennell said, like the things that can cause more risk in a relationship than a third party is resentment, judgment, and assumptions. And so if you're resenting somebody for what they're doing, you start making assumptions about why they're doing it. They don't care about me. Um, you start creating judgments around them. Like they're just inconsiderate and maybe it has nothing to do with it. It's just something that never occurred to them. And maybe the fact that you bring it up is like, oh, that just didn't occur to me. Sometimes just things don't, you just don't have the same thought processes. Totally. You're totally different. You know, one of my clients one time years ago said, I'll never forget this. She said, I feel like, and she's been married for a long time. And she said, the relationships are made or broken in the small details. Mm. And I was like, I think that's it. Because once you get to the point where you're resentful, then all of a sudden, like what could have been like a very easy, like, Hey, I put like, do you mind if you can remember to just put down the toilet seat? Like that was just a nothing really, like such a small, tiny thing has turned in this huge thing that you've made up 
up in your mind that like the person doesn't want to put it down and like they're an asshole and like all the other additional things that we think about it when it really could have just been in the moment like hey do you mind like I don't want to be a nag but if it wouldn't be a big deal to you that'd be that'd be awesome yeah yeah it just it does build up because suddenly now it's not the toilet seat then you start noticing other things oh they leave the shoes in the hallway oh they do that and then it's like wait a second and then it's they don't respect me they don't consider me they don't love me if they love me they'd put the toilet seat down meanwhile you haven't even told them that that was your preference yeah yeah no I think it's really important to share those things but you know take a beat take a pause to see if if it is something else I mean to another point here is uh, I found out kind of randomly that Jeff downloaded a period app to track my period and there's been this pattern of literally seven days before my period I turn into like a really ragey angry person and he was I was like oh my god I can't believe you're doing this it kind of came out of our friend Cassie her husband was tracking hers and uh, he overheard that and I guess took it upon himself but he goes I just need the information so I can process better like how to deal with you and so in a way I'm like all right it makes sense and that's helpful Um, so also check yourself because most of us listening here are women to me it's a relief to go like okay I'm gonna be like it feels more of a relief yes you know so I think some people if you're listening and you're like offended that like who the person you're with would even want to know if you're on your period also realize the reality is sometimes we are different yeah and, we, yeah. and that's actually a real thing I mean and I think that dudes probably you know they get into moods too their yes. own kind of insecurities or moods or whatever but like you know I mean that is a real thing so it's kind of like you can't be pissed when you're kind of like it's just purely for intel totally and I would say just for yourself like tracking it and going uh like for me many times I've just been so upset about something or like just really like on the verge of crying or crying super easily. And then I go look at my app and I'm like, oh, okay. So if I could just get through the next three days, like I'm not going to just blow this out of proportion. So maybe that's a time where you're like, maybe I don't need to bring it up to my partner because it's actually, I'm just going through some weird hormonal stuff and yep. it feels so real. So I understand that it's like when you're going through the hormonal stuff, it feels like everything is extreme, dramatic, whatever it is. I don't know. Some people are more weepy. Some people are more angry, but I would just also track your own cycles and see what that's that's all about. One of the the last thing I want to say about this is um, sometimes you need to vent to a girlfriend or you need to vent to someone else about it first. So like, you know, obviously you're asking us and like Danny and I'll go to Danny with something, but here's the thing. And this is always like my, just one of my mottos, one of my like life mantras is if I'm talking about someone else to someone else more than I'm talking about it to them, that's an issue. Like they need to have a conversation. So watch yourself. You're constantly complaining about the person to your friends, to your other people, and you've never brought it up to them. Like, I'm sorry, but that's scrub status. Mm -hmm. So like one of the things that whenever I rent to Danny about something, um, you know, I'll say, I'm going to bring this up, but I want to flesh it out with you first. Or am I crazy to think this or to ask this or like whatever. So I'll say, you know, this is exactly what I'm going to say. I'll get my... I'll just get my bearings on it better by like fleshing it out with a friend, but I'll always with the intention of eventually bringing it to someone. And I will say literally like, I'm going to, that's actually what I'm going to say to him or that's what I'm going to say to her, you know? So I think it's important to, to notice in yourself if you're constantly complaining, like, sorry, but you got to like lady balls it up and talk to the person. Yeah. I like that too. Even going to a friend and kind of, I don't know, practicing through it. Um, there's been times where I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to say. And I've had friends go, well, maybe you could say it a little different so it doesn't come off so accusatory or something. Yep. And so it helps to talk about it. But the point is to 
take that information and then bring it back. Like not just have the vent session and then leave and it then, as And is. then feel like processed because you were validated yeah. by your friend and like they both agreed that like, you know, they should put the fucking toilet seat down right. and you never bring it to them. Right, right. Yeah. So I think, I think I love that. Just make sure you bring it to them. But if you have to flush it out, flush it out and like make sure, hey, this is what I'm going to say. How do you think this comes across? Like, yep. so. Good. So there is a question we got a, a little while back and um, yeah, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, I'm a 25-year-old virgin who has never been in a serious relationship and just feeling a little lost on the sex front. I'm also recovering from adrenal fatigue, so libido is a bit low, but I don't know where to go next. Should I be masturbating? If I ever do find a boyfriend, how long do I wait to have sex? Should I avoid one-night stands? Help. Y'all are pros, and I love the podcast. Oh, that's cute. And I don't think we're pros, but... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are we a, a good pro? amount of sex between the two of us. There's so many things here... Um, so 25-year-old virgin, I feel that there can be an urgency, feeling like there's a certain age you should have lost your virginity. So I like can feel that from this of just like, oh my gosh, what should I do? And I, I think, I mean, even back in the like high school days, I or maybe just the old movies of talking about you need to lose your virginity on your prom night or like your senior thing, like there's this pressure to lose your virginity at a certain time. Yep. And I don't think that's the case that you should have lost your virginity by a certain time, but it can feel a little scarier as you get older, feeling like it can I'm the feel last bigger one. and bigger in your head. Yeah. You yeah. can almost like, because it's been, because it has been a little bit longer, you can make it like this big thing in your head and it can kind of be like, it can feel a lot more scary. I think. Totally. I, I think there's a few things here is like, are there reasons for that? Were you saving yourself for marriage? Was there a certain uh, religious upbringing that that happened? Or were you just so busy in school? You were an athlete, you were um, academic, and it just wasn't on your mind. And now suddenly it is like, there's a lot of reasons um, to be in that position. Or but like negative sexual, you know, encounters when you were younger too, that maybe it wasn't intercourse, but like it just kind of put you off sex yeah. or, you know, again, I think the religious thing too, it's seen as like dirty or wrong or bad. And so, Yeah. So I, I think the first thing she mentioned, uh, having a low libido and adrenal fatigue. So I would first deal with your health. You know, you don't want to just go have sex to just get it over with, even though you don't, because then you're going to have a bad experience and they're like, wow, that was awful. And I never want to do that again. Um, so I would first deal with your health and the potential psychological stuff that is, you know, maybe putting you off or making you scared to go down that road. And, um, you wrote, if I ever do find a boyfriend, which I thought was like, of course, like yeah. <laughs> if you, if you're looking and you want that, you definitely will. And, um, the question of how long do I wait is a good question. Like I think for anyone, um, it's funny. I see that in like some dating forums of people who've been married and divorced or who've never, it's always the big question of how long do I wait? And I think the answer is just, it depends. You know, I think I want to validate the fact that like, I, I, I think the first time you have sex, um, it, it's going to feel like it's going to feel momentous in a way. And so I think it's hard to maybe just like, you know, maybe people listen to us and going, she should just like go fuck somebody and like get it over with and like have it out of the way. But like, I honestly think that um, we put a lot more emotion into it, especially when we haven't had that much of it. I think at 25, you know, unfortunately at 25, 30, 35, like when people have been having sex for maybe many years, they're less likely to feel the high emotion of it. So I would only caution against, I don't know that you have to like, need to be in love. I don't know that you like need to like fully be in love if you want to. That's totally your prerogative. I don't think that you have to wait to that point. But I would also say just watch yourself and have the awareness of um, just because you're having sex with someone doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a right relationship or mm -hmm. it's a right like it's the it's your person or and I think when you haven't had as much experience, you tend to go a lot more, especially as women, we emotionally attach, I think, a little bit more to people that we have sex with because it's so intimate. 
Um, so I would just say, because maybe you're like a little bit lower on the experience level, just watch out for that and have the awareness of, okay, is this person just a lover or is this person like a potential, you know, relationship or is this just like a boyfriend for now and have all of those distinctions kind of have the awareness instead of just being like, this is the father of my children. Like, I think sometimes we can go to that place because of the oxytocin and like the dopamine and the serotonin and all that stuff. So that's really true. Um, I thought about when I was younger, I, I felt like every person I had sex with was going to be my husband. Right. Like it was just that like, oh, we are in love and we're having sex and of course we're going to get married and it's really not the case. Well, it wasn't the case, obviously. And my opinion or I don't know if it's opinion, but my views on sex changed dramatically after being married um, where I didn't see it so much as uh, such a emotional bond and attachment. It was more like... It was something you do, uh, sometimes just fun. So I think, though, for your first time, you probably want to be with somebody who is a little more, um, like, caring and patient, compassionate. understanding. And, yep. Yeah, patient, empathetic. Yeah, somebody who's not going to just make you feel like trash or that you were used. But it depends on your own headspace. You may, I mean, I've definitely had friends who they told me their first time was just like a get it over with. They didn't want to see the person again. And so I guess that really just depends on on how you, you know, feel about it. I think to the question of masturbating, I, I would recommend that personally only because, I mean, getting off is amazing, but also because I think just the more comfortable you are with your own body and the more comfortable you are with like knowing what feels pleasurable for you, you'll be much more, I think, open to being in that space with someone else because it's like you already understand your body's needs. You already understand what, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, like uh, to a certain degree, as much as you can by yourself. So I would definitely experiment with that. Like you don't have to be like, you know, doing it every second, but I would for sure, you know, just and, and make it a thing. Like have, you know, I don't know, put like candles out. Like I don't know if you live alone or you live with someone else, but like, I don't know, I would just like do it upright, like have a glass glass of wine, relax yourself, like, you know, put some candles, uh, maybe a little bit of like relaxing music and like take an hour. Like, honestly, sometimes that can be really nice to, that's like self-care. That's the way I see it as like self-care. So I think as much as you can get familiar with your own body, the more comfortable you are when you're finally with someone else. And so I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I just definitely agree. I agree. In fact, to anyone listening, um, anyone who's in a relationship and maybe who's struggling with feeling good in sex. I know there's a lot of women I know who are, have been married and they hardly ever orgasm. I think taking time and figuring out for yourself and masturbating and figuring out how to help yourself orgasm is going to help you while you're having sex or help you teach your partner how to help you get there. And I also think just from an energetic perspective, I think the more like comfortable you are, cause you could tell like some people just, they're just more uh, closed off. They're more uptight. They like even have an energy about them that is kind of a closed off energy and it's nothing you could pinpoint. It's just a feeling. But I think when you're in your own body and you feel comfortable in your skin and you're giving off just a different energy so that if you do want to be in a relationship or you do want to, you know, have sex with someone else, like you, you know, like you're much more available, I think energetically for that interaction. I think it totally changes. I don't know about you, but like it just, it does. It changes you. You're feeling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) Yes. hundred percent. Well, I hope that was helpful for you. And you know, if you feel like sharing, writing back to us, if you do it and let us know how it went. (laughs) There's also some podcasts about uh, more sex. I think there was this podcast called how we come or how I come. And it's a 
a young woman who I think was in her 20s never had an orgasm and she taught herself to masturbate. I, I believe that's the, I know I follow them on Instagram and so I've only gotten the gist of it from Instagram. I haven't listened to the podcast, but that might be someone to look up. And then we have a friend named Emily. She has a podcast called Sex with Emily. She does a lot of topics on this. So maybe also listening to some that are very like sex specific and maybe um, have audience members share some similar stories so you don't feel so alone either because I think maybe feeling like you're a 25 year old virgin you're the only one and I guarantee you are not um and so and I don't want you to think there's anything wrong with that and I I know that there's people who are who've been in your position that maybe I've even shared their story on other shows so I would check out check out those yeah that's great And this episode of the Best Life Podcast is brought to you by The Happiness Diet, thehappinessdiet.com. Y'all, Jill and I created The Happiness Diet because we have had so many people over the last few years tell us, oh my gosh, you look so good. You looked better than you ever have before. What is going on? And by the way, this was before our boyfriend, so it's not the falling in love glow. And I realized that really what it was, was the work I was doing on the inside was starting to reflect on the outside. It wasn't about weight loss. It wasn't about anything like that, hairdos, hairstyles, makeup, whatever. It was really that inner work. And so we created the happiness diet by literally just putting a roadmap of what we started doing, the tools, the strategies, the hard lessons that we've learned and put them all into one six-week program for you to be able to use to deepen your relationships, whether that's family, whether that's romantic, whether that's just with your coworkers. And if you want to check out more, go to thehappinessdiet.com. Okay, so you want to just do one more? Yeah. Okay, so we had... Um, and I like this one because Jill and I have both been through it, was how to relocate to a new state post-divorce and meeting people, meeting peeps. Wow. I like it. You want to start? You know, I totally have been seeing this differently. Hopefully you guys listened to Christina Rasmussen's um, podcast that we did a few weeks ago. Um, she was so good and I've been using her language lately. She calls it a plug-in. So I've talked about like when I moved across country after I left my marriage and talking about it, like I just could not emotionally move. So I physically moved and that forced me to emotionally move, um, even though I did it kicking and screaming. Um, and so I love the idea of like a plug into something different. And sometimes we can't move emotionally. So we do need to move physically, geographically. Uh, so when you do that, you're in a whole new space. You're in a whole new uh, neighborhood. People have different value systems. There's different places to eat. There's different gyms. There's different atmosphere at gyms, right? People have different attitudes. They're working on different projects. I mean, going from North Carolina to, to LA was a a huge difference. It was like a 180. Um, and so first of all, I think that you're going to be able to, to really move emotionally, regardless if you do anything else, like just being in a new space is going to change you for sure. Um, in terms of meeting people, I can just share what I did. Cause I only knew one person when I moved to LA. I knew Nagar Fanuni, who you guys have heard on the podcast. And at the time she was married and she has a child. So like we weren't spending a ton of time together. So I was really left to, to be alone quite a bit. And I did a couple of simple things. First of all, I joined three gyms. <laughs> I joined three different gyms, all different types of gyms. One was more of like a powerlifting or like a... Uh, like a CrossFit gym. One was more of like a bougie upscale gym. And then one was a, um, not like a powerlifting gym, but a um, strongman gym. 
And so I just met different people at each one of them and they had community events. And so I did that kind of stuff. Like I would sign up for like one day little trainings that they had and I would go to the little, like literally it was so uncomfortable, but I would go to, they had like little like, um, you know, social hours and happy hours and stuff like that with the gym, especially CrossFits are pretty good at that. And so that would be something that, because at least, you know, those people are like you. So go to where there's people similar to you. LA was a little bit hard to break in because everyone's kind of like doing their own thing and has their own groups and stuff. So I found it a little bit tougher and also not being a mom. There wasn't like an immediate like mom group I could be a part of because my kid was in school with the other kids. And so that was a little bit tougher. Um, so I did, and also I did things like salsa lessons. Um, I signed up for a wine taste tasting workshop. Like I did little things where I didn't feel uncomfortable being alone. And the last thing I'd recommend is this is really cool. And it wasn't available when I moved to LA, but it is now is Airbnb experiences. So Airbnb has these like little things. If you go on the app, you can just do experiences within the city. So if you're moving to a new town, people who are locals put on little like day trips or workshops or something like that. And a lot of single people go to them. And so I would, if I were you moving to a new city, I would actually try and do a lot of those by myself just to understand the city better, to meet other people who are there. I, I would do this while I was traveling too, by the way. So I think those kind of things can be a really cool way to just meet different people in your area. I love that. I I was going to add just moving in general because when I moved after post-divorce, uh, I basically just locked up on Jill's situation and we just hung out all the time. So I had somebody there. But prior to moving out to LA, I had just moved to a brand new small town. And so it was, I did need to make an effort to meet people. So we did, uh, I didn't join a gym, but I look, I went on meetup.com and found different activities like mm. hiking groups. Yep. Um, we did like, I went to like this French club because I had spoken, taken seven years of French, met a few people there. Uh, we did just like different activities like that. They were group activities. Meetup was really great. And then like, uh, uh, Toastmasters and different things that I thought people would be like people that I would like to hang out would be would be around and then I'd find maybe one or two that I would we'd exchange information or follow on social media and then kind of find and even Jeff and I had done this in Wyoming you know we went to like that beer and yoga thing we've been go we went to this little art like we're trying to meet people so you have to get out there and it can be uh, intimidating doing doing it alone but if you do go to events that are maybe made for single people or like activities where you're doing things it doesn't feel as awkward where you're just sitting there not knowing what to do like you're gonna have something to do so there's ways to talk about. And what I find really great is when you're new, people seem really excited to like tell you about their place. So I find that it makes it easy conversation because a lot of the times the first thing people ask is like, where are you from or where do you live? And you go, well, I just moved here. I don't really know this town. And so they, people who live there or who have been there seem to want to like tell you the cool places and help you out. So I think you're in a really good position being new. Um, and also you're getting away from like all the old friends that you had and uh, all of the old memories, like the drive-bys and things like that can be triggering. I think it could be really healthy and helping you heal when you move out of your physical surroundings. Yeah. I, and you know, I think when we do things alone, oftentimes, especially if you're leaving a relationship and you're used to like having that person you go to all the things with, um, I would say, and when I, in my experience, going to things alone, um, I was way more in like uh, self-conscious than I think anyone else was about me being there, right? Like I, I think I was judging this scenario myself way more than anyone else was thinking anything about me. You know what I mean? So I think oftentimes we're like, 
oh my God, I look like such a loser. I'm here by myself or like whatever. And like, honestly, I don't think anyone is, is saying that. Like, I think they're just like, cool, like great to meet you. Like, come on in. Like, I honestly think that that's really at the, at the end of the day, it has nothing to do. I think we're a lot more self-conscious than anyone else really cares. And so remember that as well. But bottom line is you're going to be uncomfortable. Like yeah. you just are. There's no way of getting around that, especially if you were in a situation where you knew everybody, you knew everyone in your town, you knew everyone you hung out with, you, you know, were in a relationship. It's going to be uncomfortable, but just force yourself to do it. It gets so much easier. Yeah. And then shout out Bumble BFF, Bumble BFF, Bumble Biz, get on the Bumble app. And there's other women looking for friends kind of maybe in the same position as you. I've seen women on there who are like, I don't have any kids. I work a lot. This is what I'm looking for. Or I do have kids and I'm looking for someone who's busy like me. So get on that app and see if there's other chicks out there. And what I would say about using that app is as soon as you make a connection, make a plan because people get on, they connect and then nobody you start to like have a little conversation, then it dies. So I would try to make plans with somebody as soon as possible, get some face-to-face connection to see if there's like a real friendship connection there or not, um, and just do it quickly. So love it. Word. Very cool. Keep us in the loop on that. Yeah. Love so that y'all, if you have questions, we love getting these. You can send them. We get a lot of questions in our DM. We and let us know if you guys them. like these Q&A, the format. Yeah. Do you like the format? Do you want us to do more? Um, we love the questions and we try to keep a list of them. So we're, we're ready. We can throw them out at you. Yeah. All right. Make sure you you subscribe. We'll see you later. We'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.